Geeky Girl Gap Podcast. Hello and welcome to Geeky Girl Gap. With me is Brie. Hello. And we have two special guests today from the Galactic Podcast, Andrea and Lauren. Hello. Hello there. So today we're talking about episode four, A New Hope. Mm. Woohoo. Do you all remember the first time you saw this movie? I don't know if I remember. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't think I remember... I remember, like, parts. I remember the trash compactor. I remember Obi-Wan fighting Vader. And I remember... Those are, like, the two things I really remember as, like, a little mini child. (laughs) So did you see it, like, really young? Like, maybe, like, toddler or, like... Yeah. Yeah, I did. So it was just, like, part of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I posted this picture the other day... uh, it was 1983, and I had a picture of me with an X-Wing, um, and I was obsessed with Star Wars, like, at a very young age. So, and I was three when The Return of the Jedi came out. So, I know we always watched all of them on VHS, and I believe they were on HBO sometimes. I'm trying to remember, oh, geez. Like, yeah, I mean, I was I was born in 83, so I did not see any of the original trilogy uh, in theaters or anything, but... I just remember just watching A New Hope on, like Andrea was saying, on my VHS. Like, I just remember that, popping that in, like, relentlessly and just watching it and just, like, being enthralled with it for, you know, all the the kids' stuff in me. You know, the laser swords, the blasters, the, the cool ships, <laughs> all that stuff. That's what kind of my first memory is, for sure, for A New Hope. Bray, do you remember when you first saw it? Um, I think it was sometime in the 90s. I just remember, like, my dad doesn't like watching a lot of, like, movies, <laughs> unless it's, like, on <laughs> TCM, you know, like, Turner Classic movies, the black and white ones, like, he always has that channel on. And I remember us in our living room watching the whole Star Wars trilogy, and it was, like, really dope. And it was, like, like, I don't know, just, like, I think there's like some other people in it, but I was fascinated and I was like, I want to be Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. and I want to go fight some baddies. Okay, so I vividly remember the first time I saw this movie. It was January 1997. Do you guys remember the special editions? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they re-released them in theaters. I was mm-hmm. a kid. My father dragged me to them. He took me to see all the Disney movies I wanted to see. So I thought, hmm, let me humor the old man. I'll go see this old movie. I thought it was like a Turner Classic movie because he's like, oh, it's an old movie for my time. And <laughs> Maybe I was like, that's why my dad watched it. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, fine. I'm like, I can nap if I have to, you know, just get through it. And then, of course, like the instant that music starts playing, I'm just like transfixed. And of course, I was just completely obsessed with Princess Leia. I wanted to be Princess Leia when I grew up. She is my role model forever. She's a good role model. I mean, honestly, that's one of the things that I love about A New Hope because I think at that time, I mean, I think Leia as that character, her character meant so much, I think, as as being a strong female character in movies. Like, I don't think that's really back then was like a like was a was a thing, you know. So, I mean, having a very strong female character in a movie that ran with the boys per se if you want to say that you know and she even took charge you know like uh getting them into the trash compactor mm-hmm. and doing all that stuff like yeah she saved you know she kind of took could, took control many times i mean obviously within throughout the original trilogy but in a new hope too specifically when they were on the death star so yeah leia was just is a cool character and i 
I think I, when I was younger, I think I was a more Luke Skywalker fan for sure. But as I've gotten older, you know, life experiences, I think I respect and I love Leia, I think, more now than I ever did back then, which is, is kind of a weird thing to say out loud <laughs> now that I'm saying it. But like, yeah, I think I, I have so much more respect for that character, uh, you know, so like more than I ever have now, for sure. Like, it's, it's just amazing to have that type of character in our in Star Wars. She's so sassy. Mm-hmm. And yes. the more that you like do a deep dive into the universe and you think about it, like she sees her entire world destroyed including yes yes her family her parents we know her parents are on there all her friends everything she ever knew she was training to rule that planet someday she fights she just continues to go on when that would probably utterly destroy most people and she's like when they escape the death star she's comforting luke who just is mourning this guy he met like a few days ago right <laughs> oh no exactly like, oh i'm so sorry you lost this five-second mentor. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And she's like, I just lost everything and everyone I've ever known, but here, let me comfort you. Right. I think she knew what she had to do. You know? She's like, no one else is going to help me. I have to help everyone else. Oh, something Brie and I were talking about during our Rogue One recap was that the ending of Rogue One makes Leia even more of a badass. Ooh, yes. I like that take. (laughs) I like that take a lot. It really does. Vader literally sees the plans being given to her ship. And she's she's just straight up saying, no, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mercy mission. I don't know what you're talking about. She's lying to Vader straight to his face. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) And then it means, I mean, if you think about it, too... That has so much impact, obviously, later on, knowing that that was his, that was her father. Like, God, just putting that in that perspective and her not knowing that that guy that obviously eventually, you know, tortured her was her dad. Like, that's got to be so mind-blowing to to her. And you kind of, you obviously later on in canon, you kind of get that sense during Bloodline and especially, really, especially during Bloodline, mm-hmm. how much that affected her. And the way I think she went about her life, really. So, and even to, you know, her being a mom to to Ben later on. So, yeah, that, that, I, yeah, yeah, I love Leia. <laughs> I love Leia so much. I did have a question because rewatching it, I couldn't really remember. Because um, it always seemed like he was somewhat protecting her. I know he tortured her, but it also seemed like, because I think his, like, I don't know, he has so many admirals who he kills because of their yeah, right, jobs right. but um one of them <laughs> it was just like why don't you just kill her and he's like no i'll take care of it or whatever and i was like did he know or sense and the force was in her at the time to know i don't think he ever realized that leia was his daughter even when he like in return of the jedi realizes that, like luke has a sister i don't think he knows who she is i agree with that yeah i agree yeah. with that in Bloodline, I, when she talks about witnessing the destruction of Alderaan and him standing behind her, I believe she said he had, like, a grip on her arm. And it, it was, like, very menacing. Like, she did not feel any type of, like, protection by him. But I do like that spin on it. Because he does... I think he just kind of was hoping to get information out of her. And also, he hated Tarkin. And he didn't like Tarkin, like, taking control over things. And he wanted to do 
Vader wanted like doing things his own way. So maybe that's, that's why he did it. That's true. I was that's just true. wondering because I was like, I couldn't remember. I guess I definitely know he gives two shits about anything. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if it goes right or wrong for her. But I was just like, does he sense it? Because these people and they're not like picking and choosing when they can sense things in the force baffles me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting concept because, you know, obviously in A New Hope, we know Obi- how Obi-Wan explains it to Luke. You know, it's uh, the force is an, en- an energy field that, you know, binds the galaxy together and that it, you know, and all that. So I, I, I in my head, this is my head canon. I know because it, it, it's a great question, Brie, because a lot of people bring it up all the time, right? As within Star Wars, like how did he not know Leia was his daughter through the force and all that? To me, I don't think, you know, obviously at that at that point in time in Leia's life, she didn't know she had the Force. So in my head canon, I guess I go with the, the explanation of, you know, if she didn't know she had the Force, if she didn't know how to use that that thing, the, the Force, maybe that's, and that's probably why Vader didn't know she had the Force. So then he couldn't really do like a quote-unquote forced connection like like he could with obi-wan and he knew obi-wan obviously within a new hope he knows obi-wan's on the death star because of the force so maybe because leia wasn't in tune with the force at that time he couldn't sense anything like that that's that's my head i like that take no i do like that i thought he was kind of interested maybe intrigued that she was able to withstand the torture device. I noticed that when I watched that. Yeah. Uh, I, I noticed that when he said that, you know, he, what was the line? The line of like she, her, her being able to, yeah, uh, to do that against the metal, uh, the probe droid. Yeah. I picked that up this time too. That was interesting, Candace, for sure. Yeah. I kind of think of like my energy flows where my intention goes. I know that's like so cliche to say, but Vader was concentrating in that moment of time uh on uh his job was to eliminate like all the jedi to like go after any of the following jedi so he wasn't like searching out for um i don't know like something someone that he had a deep connection with he was mainly just looking for people that exuded the force as a jedi that's and then as you get out of a new hope then he's looking for luke skywalker so that's also why he probably doesn't um get the connection with leia because he's only focusing on going after luke so once he gets to return of the jedi and he recognizes that it's leia then of course he connects with her immediately no i get that because vader is clouded by his judgment yeah yeah oh something have you guys read leia prince of the Princess of Alderaan, the book? Yes. Oh, such a great book. Great book. And in that scene, I mean, Panka, Pankia, mm-hmm. the security, the person in charge of security for Pad- Padme. Mm-hmm. Panaka. He, Panaka. Panaka. There Panaka, you thank you. I was like, yep. I, I have the words. <laughs> Andrea has to do my uh, name pronunciation. I do her pronunciation. Because I can't. I can't. I will do it for you, too. I, I'm I terrible at <laughs> names with Star Wars. <laughs> I am awful. Awful planet names. I, yeah, anyway, sorry. That, Panaka, that. he recognizes Leia. Of course, she's in the Padme mm-hmm. gear. She's wearing Naboo queen dress because her outfit got ruined. Mm-hmm. And there is a mystery, of course, of Padme's death. Everyone knows she was pregnant, but they don't know what happened. I guess because Vader believes the Emperor. He has to believe the Emperor because he did all these horrible things. He believes Padme mm-hmm. died and the child along with her. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and kind of think of that too, like how that whole thing went down as far as like, you know, the emperor obviously controlling everything, even obviously way back from episode one, you know, and you you see the control of Vader and kind of like what Andrea was saying, like his focus was not on, you know, was wasn't on finding Jedi anymore because that was obviously early on. Now he was trying to get these Death Star plans and stop the rebels from destroying or doing anything to this battle station. So, I mean, kind of like we've been saying, that's probably why he wasn't able to force connect or maybe, you know, notice that Leia maybe even had the force somehow. I don't know. Something he like that. He was all about impressing the Emperor. It is like when you True. read like uh the Vader comics, uh that is was like his main goal. He started to kind of veer away from that once he found out Luke was his son or he was trying to get that information but other than that he was always trying to impress the emperor and like i said during the a new hope timeline tarkin was like his rival because the emperor actually put tarkin in charge over vader i know when i grew up i always thought that vader was like the ultimate evil and the ultimate villain he was the guy like running the show because he could force choke people and do all that but it was actually Tarkin who was in charge and gave all the orders. Yeah, that's a good point. Like Leia says, oh, you're car- you're holding his leash or something like that. Yep. I would figure Vader would still hold a grudge against Tarkin over, like, nearly sentencing Ahsoka to death. Yes. 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 Oh, sorry, Bree. Spoiler alert. Aww, she still has much Clone Wars. I, I know. I'm behind, out. Candace. It's just going to be all every Star Wars episode, me apologizing for Bree's lack of watching Clone Wars and Rebels. <laughs> that was me early on in our podcast with Andrea. When we first started, that's how she was, too. Like, she, I, we started getting her into Clone Wars, Rebels, and all that stuff. So I had to, like, hold stuff in. So I get it. I yeah, get no, it. like, re-watching all the prequels, too, it, it, it really has sparked my interest in diving more into... Uh, I get well I feel like the TV shows allow for more character development and that's yeah, what really intrigues me and but definitely like, one of my thoughts though was when um, C-3PO and RTD2 uh, landed and when they found old Ben um, I was like oh but in the prequels he knew them yeah. <laughs> it's like how does he forget them and then I realized oh yeah they wrote this not oh, well yeah, but they kind of, <laughs> right. in the prequels and in Clone Wars, like, Obi-Wan, like, doesn't really see droids. Like, Anakin loses R2, and Obi-Wan's like, just get a new one. True. Do you, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's so true. I'm like, I'm trying to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> trying, but I was just like, mm, wait. I know, that droid saved your life, Obi-Wan. I know. <laughs> uh, many times. <laughs> exactly. Many times. Well, speaking of C-3PO and R2-D2, it's kind of their story. We follow them throughout mm-hmm. this entire movie. And I mm-hmm. really love the structure of that. Because so many in th- insane things happen, especially when you're just getting to this universe, just being able to connect with those two characters, which is so weird that, like, one of them doesn't even speak English. Right, and he's my favorite. I know. I know, his emotions. They He had more range than Anakin yeah. does in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Right She's on. so mean about Anakin. I love it. <laughs> Listen, right I will bash that writing until the day I die. <laughs> uh, no shame. I like um, it. Okay, it, well, speaking of George Lucas' directing, because yeah. that's his 
That's his biggest issue is um, I was reading like behind the scenes stuff and the actors found George Lucas to be very uncommunicative with them. Like his only directions usually were faster or more intense. More intense. Yeah. More intense. <laughs> so one time he lost his voice and the crew just provided him two car- like boards that said faster, or more intense. Nice. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And a lot of the script was kind of like, not improv, but like rewritten by the actors. Because they couldn't say it. Yeah. They couldn't say his lines. They were like, you can read this, but you cannot say it. (laughs) Then I know, especially like, wasn't his wife at the time, too, helped out with the editing a lot. Like the first, if I I can't remember where I was, like one of the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, with um, she was an editor, and mm-hmm. one of the things she especially added was like the countdown for the Death Star to yep. attack the rebels for the yep. end, because that just creates such a sense of urgency and tension. Right, right. And I do like so. This is like I love a New Hope. Um, the beginning of the movie is great. You know, you you're in space. You see the huge Star Destroyer going after the Tantity Four. Um, you get that great shot of you know all those stormtroopers coming in. And then you see this dark suited figure of Darth Vader. It was such a cool, like, kind of just your first impression of that movie. You're like, whoa, we're we're in it. Like, they're with that like, music. Yeah, the music. Oh my everything God, music. was so good. Um, and you know, I did like. I like you know after like after that beginning, and then when R two and C three PO go on to Tatooine, and they're picked up by the Jawas. That part for me, like, it's fun. But I kind of like. Okay, like now watching it, I'm like, okay, I kind of like maybe start doing other things around the house. But then I love after they get to the uh, Lars homestead, that movie is great. Like I love like everything after Lars homestead or from Lars homestead to the end. It is great movie. Like it's action. It keeps it going. You're interested. You know, it it's I love it. it. It is a really, really good movie. Let's admit it. The movie gets live when Han Solo shows up. <laughs> That's fair. That's so fair. Okay. So fair. Speaking of Han Solo, Disney Plus, like, I can't find my DVD of this, so I had to watch it on Disney Plus. And they changed the Greedo Han shooting scene again. McClunky. Yes, the McClunky now. <laughs> we have we have a new addition to special edition, apparently, by George. Just leave the film Was it alone, George guys. that did that? Was it George that did that? I can't. I, I don't know. It had to be. It well, now looks like they yeah. shot each other at the same time and like Yeah. I'm like, Greedo, like, Greedo he's right in front of you. Yeah. I know. This is your one job. You're a bounty hunter, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right. How could you miss that shot? <laughs> Just like every other stormtrooper. Right, exactly. I had to watch exactly. it on Disney Plus too, and one of the problems I had with it was a lot of the CGI that they uh added in for no no reason. Yeah. No, like, like the Java to- scene, the new Java scene. Yeah, so I was bad. like, "What is going on?" I was like, "This doesn't look like the movie." I I I love that was in the and special I, edition though. Yeah, well, I hate CGI anyway, so maybe I'm just biased. But you hate bad CGI, <laughs> Bray. Oh, in my notes, because we're talking about the L- Lars Homestead, I just said Luke is a whiny teenager. Yeah, and he's really good. Yes, at it. yeah, yes, he, is. <laughs> he really is. I don't think that gets talked about enough to be honest like he really is but it fits i mean it fits the whole mantra as you know if you think about it kind of the whole what what george does with star wars it's a it's a coming of age story so it makes sense for just like in the prequels anakin was kind of whiny in episode two he was a teenager 
and Luke was the same way. So, I mean, it, it it's relatable. Andrew and I talked about that before, how, you know, it it's a relatable, like looking at it now, it's relate like it, it's relatable because, you know, as, as we were all teenagers before, like we were that ways in some way, shape or form. So it makes sense. But watching it, maybe when I was younger, I would be like, God, yeah, why is he so whiny? Like all the time, like just shut up, Luke. Yeah, no, I totally would want to hang out with my friends rather doing chores. I want to go to Tashi Station. And pick up power converters. Got to get those power converters. I know. <laughs> it, it's it's really interesting after reading, I don't know if I, any of you have read it, but A Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell. I've been wanting to read that. Oh, it's so good. After reading that and rewatching uh, the Star Wars trilogy, it really just shows like Luke as that everyday guy and coming up on his hero's journey. And it's really just a fascinating, fascinating take on it. Um, I would recommend the book highly. Uh, I think, I, I wonder if George Lucas read it before he... He did. Yeah. Brie, it's a well-known oh, fact that he did. He did, yeah. Well, Absolutely. you know what? Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you a hard time about this. I'm going to give you, because it's in all the behind-the-scenes things and the philosophy okay. of Star well, Wars. I'm going to have to watch all the behind-the-scenes stuff, too, now. Brie, um, I didn't know that, so I'm with you. So okay. I'll, I'll, I'll show you support. Listen, I, I was just like, either. you know, I felt good about myself. I'm like, I own a hero's journey. I was like, ooh, I <laughs> something good. Oh, it was just like before she um, showed me, she's like, geez, Obi-Wan like dropping his robes reminds me of that scene from Anastasia. And I was like, everybody's already said that, Brie. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I went to Star Wars Celebration in Disney World. She keeps bringing this up, too. Yeah, oh. because. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> because it was great. And I got to meet Luke Skywalker and I got my little lightsaber that's like plastic and really bad for the environment and not cool looking at all. But it's so cool. Brie, you and I are best friends because Perfect. I will say this. Perfect. I went to Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. Boo. And I, and I, I, my goal is to bring it up in every episode now because <laughs> I started it when we kind of first started. And then Andrew, like Andrew would always say, you always got to bring it up, don't you? Yeah. I'm like, yep, now I'm going to do it every episode. I'm going to try to bring it in. Shame my, because Candace me a casual fan, which I get. I haven't. I haven't, you know, dived into it like she has or anyone else. I get it. I, I'm definitely more of a casual, but I have a love of it from when I was young that I feel like <laughs> needs to be brought up because I'm constantly <laughs> wrong about stuff. It's not that you're wrong. You're just like, oh, I had this really great idea. And I'm like, because we're trying to have like on the podcast, like a bunch of podcasters who only talk about Star Wars because <laughs> we've all seen this movie so many times. Do you guys ever, like, notice anything new or think of anything new? Ooh. Yes. Because I had one, guys. I'll let you guys go first. What do Jawas look like inside their robes? I try to look it up, and there was no definite answer, and now I'm sad. I know they're short. Yes. They're my size. I can be one. Yeah, me too, obviously. Very tiny. Yeah. Like, five foot nothing. So, Lucasfilm, if you ever need casting for a Jawa, I'm available. (laughs) But yeah, I ooh, that's a good interesting question. Like, what if watching it now? What I noticed, um, you know, I think as I as I gotten older, I picked up more on like those deeper themes of Star Wars, like the family and how it all connects from you know the prequels to the original trilogy to the sequel trilogy. Like, I pick up on those things more now than anything, and mm-hmm. especially with shows like 
uh, Clone Wars and Rebels, like you kind of see and it all and just how it all connects. Um, I don't know if I, yeah, but that's in, like the Jawa question. I love that because that is a million dollar question. I don't think we will ever get the answer unless John Favreau and Dave Filoni do something in the Mandalorian. <laughs> maybe so. maybe we'll do something point. like that. <laughs> hey, so we, Lauren and I went and saw like uh, the Detroit Symphony Orchestra perform well we went and saw empire strikes back but i also have seen a new hope where the symphony is performing behind and then they play the mute the movie for you and what i noticed was those like more quiet moments where the symphony isn't so loud and extravagant are actually like the more beautiful moments that i like with um like john williams composition it's kind of crazy like because you don't notice it because you're paying so much attention to the dialogue as you're watching the movie like regularly but when you get to experience something like that and you get to hear those like little small moments with like the violins and the flutes so awesome I highly recommend if it comes in your area to do that maybe when COVID's over right too yeah. <laughs> if any of you have read from another point of view no the book. it's on my list I don't I have it I have that book but I, don't, I haven't dived into it so just yet. okay, Bree probably doesn't know what this is. <laughs> Sorry, Bree. <laughs> I mean, I don't. So I'm just like I'm gonna sit back until I'm gonna bring up my Obi Wan thing. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Another point of view is a book that is told from multiple points of views throughout A New Hope, and it tells you like why C3PO and R2D2 didn't get shot out of the sky <laughs> with the um, what is it called? Escape pod? Thank you. Yeah, no, like the work. escape pod. <laughs> yes. Escape pod and things like that. And it tells the, the mouse droid that Chewbacca yells at. Like, nice. It's story. It's it's crazy and I love it. And it gives like Aunt Beru a backstory. Did you know she wanted to make cheese all her life? Oh my gosh. Really? That, <laughs> yes. was, that was her goal? Yes. Yeah, she wanted to be like a restaurateur, but she decided to be a wife and a mother instead. Respect. Oh. Respect. <laughs> I did it's, not know that. That's cool. Yeah. No, it's really great. I love it. Oh, and apparently, like, Han stole Greedo's girlfriend somehow. Oh, so That makes sense, though. Yeah, so Greedo's pissed. That's so Han. That's, now I just want to know what Greedo's girlfriend looked like. I'm like, hmm, all right, Han. <laughs> and it's Han Solo. Yeah, there are, what, there's another, I, I know the concept of that book, too, Candace. I'm trying to think. There's another story. Isn't there the one of the guy that told the stormtroopers that they were at the docking bay 94 yeah his story too story? yeah yeah he was just trying to get off the planet guys to get home nice but he is a snitch yeah he was he was a big snitch we don't like it we don't like him <laughs> yeah we don't like him at all yeah. but I, I think i remember like like when that moment where luke decides to go with obi-wan and all that and it was just, it was one of those things where you kind of felt that like Luke was taking that first, you know, obviously that first step into a larger world. And I just love that, that moment where he is, he decides to, you know, kind of take a stand and be, you know, be something more and follow in his foot in his father's footsteps as, uh, as he finds out, you know, that his father was a Jedi Knight. Obviously, he doesn't know that he's Vader also, but he finds out that his father was a Jedi Knight. And that's just, it, I love that moment for some reason. I don't know why it resonates with me more now than it did before, where it's just like, all right, like Luke, Luke wanted to take control of his life. 
and not like you know not stay on this planet that he felt that he was destined to stay at you know he wanted he that was his whole thing of getting off the rock as he told c-3po you know get him off the rock and he wanted to you know be be adventurous just like his father like bruce like uh, aunt bruce said to owen you know he has so much of his father and as we know anakin was all about adventure (laughs) he was all about adventure i would not have trusted obi-wan Ooh, interesting. No. Continue, Bree. Stranger (laughs) danger. So, okay. Here's the thing. What I think you brought this up earlier, too, was that they did a whole lot with the Jawas. And then I feel like it went on a little too long. And and I feel like they could have had a little more than with Ben, old Ben and Luke. Because when I was watching it, I was like, one, Luke is just complaining a whole lot. And (laughs) (laughs) agreed. And two... I was like, Obi-Wan is giving him some information. I get why he didn't tell him that Vader was his actual father. I get it. I probably would have done the same thing, you know. But he just gave him, like, it was vague. And I would have been like, what are you talking about? What? Like, I would have been so confused. And then I was like, did you set up, like, my uncle and aunt to die? (laughs) In defense. (laughs) In defense of Obi-Wan, he has been alone in the desert for 19 years. His social skills aren't the best. Okay. Yeah, but I like <laughs> wouldn't I would still be a little more weary of the guy. And then the whole time like he's mentoring him, he's just like, use the force. I mean like, well, do you want to tell me like what like okay, can you give me something else a little bit? Like I was just like, that's not really great mentorship skills either. And I was like, this is why Anakin turned. I like it I like it though I like, I like being uh, chaotic <laughs> when it comes to these things <laughs> just like <laughs> attacking Obi-Wan suddenly <laughs> no but it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting idea though Brie because I mean it's a good point I mean obviously Luke as we as far as we know I mean Luke that's kind of the first time we see Luke talking to Ben I, I always I always get the feeling now though, especially obviously watching the prequels and all that stuff. Like I in maybe with with especially within Rebels, especially within that season, um there that I I feel like Luke has talked to Ben before. Obviously maybe not in the in depth conversation that they had in A New Hope. But I feel like he's obviously because when when Ben saves him from the uh, sand people, you know, I feel like he's not like shocked. Luke's like he's comfortable with him real quick. And it, it is kind of weird. But I my head canon is that they've met before. I That's just what I, I go with in my head. Well, he babysitter. does know of him. But I, I think what I also kind of wanted was um, when he was on uh, the dinner table with the blue milk with his uncle and aunt. Like, mm-hmm. to maybe bring up, because I know he brings up, like, going to the academy. His dad's like, no, no, no. Or uncle's like, nah. Um, but maybe, like, bringing up something to do with a Jedi and, like, maybe have his uncle be like, we don't talk about that in this household. I think maybe it would have been stronger, like, of really shielding Luke yeah. from hearing about it all. Because he got really excited about, like, oh, you, you're, you know, the rebels? Like, he got super excited. And I feel like if he had, if it, like pounded in his head like these are just fictional you don't talk about that and then him like expressing his like childlike excitement about the rebels and the jedi that would have been a little more stronger for me personally just like story and writing wise but um i think that would have made like the obi-wan scene a little stronger for me instead of just like luke whining that entire scene 
there are comics, and I'm not sure if they're legend or canon right now, but, like, there's one comic where, like, Obi-Wan drops off, like, like, he's Santa, he drops off a bunch of toys for Luke, which is super cute, and there's stuff where, like, Luke gets captured and Obi-Wan has to rescue him, and I feel like Obi-Wan probably tried to, like, reach him or even, like, try to train him, but Owen is like, no, we know what happens when this goes down. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point, Candace. I think it's going to be interesting, you know, how the Obi-Wan series, when that comes out, where that's going to fit and how that kind of maybe fills in kind of what Brie, kind of what you're saying. Like, do we see any type of interaction with Obi-Wan and Luke when Luke was younger? And maybe that maybe it will make those scenes better in like kind of connect more but yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how they how they do that in obi-wan series but no it's a it's a very good point i mean he kind of just luke kind of just goes with him and just doesn't even like like without without question he was like oh okay yeah i trust you yeah what else does he have after his aunt and uncle died well it's nothing point, though, but yeah, what was he gonna do well nothing i just thought like even that scene was a little like anticlimactic i guess I always thought that Obi-Wan used to babysit Luke Skywalker. Like, uh, he used to show up and let uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru have a night out on the... Like, date night? Out in, yeah, most Eisley, you know, <laughs> get turned. <laughs> that's what I I mean, I always, that's what I would love. That'd be, like, the cat in a hat babysitting. That's what I always thought the Kenobi series should be, like, a sitcom of, like, him showing with, up. With a laugh track and all yes we brought that up in a podcast oh god it was a long it was a while a long ago. Time ago but that was andrea's pitch was Heck to yeah. lucasfilm was to make obi-wan a sitcom and to have like <laughs> obi-wan babysit yeah and almost like, like my two dads everything remember my two dads like it would kind of be like that <laughs> Oh my god, it'll be so good. Uh, hire us, Lucasfilm. But hire honestly, us. what throws me off about that that conversation at the table with the blue milk is when he says he mentioned an Obi Wan Kenobi. I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. That cracks me up every oh, single time. They're yeah. not far off. Yes, they are the same person. Hello, how can you not <laughs> make that connection? It kills me. Just like side eyeing Luke. Like, aren't you dumb? <laughs> Well, like, the whole thing is, like, neither of them changed their last names. Right, exactly. That's so, right, right. That makes me wonder if Owen and Brew think that Anakin is just dead. And they're worried, like, when they say, oh, he has too much of his father in him, he's going to go get himself killed. Oh, it's, ooh, I like that take, Candace. You know, Lauren, Lauren brought up a good point to me once. We always assume that Skywalker is just, like, there's only the Skywalkers. But Lauren said, like, what if Skywalker was actually, like, a common name in the galaxy? And then, so, Vader would have never thought, like, oh, he's a Skywalker. He must be my son. Or I'm going to, you know, look up all the Skywalkers and find out, like, if there's a connection. I never even, like, thought of that. I thought it was just, there's only the Skywalkers. But if it's a common last name, like, Johnson or Smith, you know, in the galaxy then it kind of makes sense that his name would kind of float around without anyone noticing. Well, you would think, and though, if, if everyone knew of old Ben Kenobi and then the Skywalker family, I feel like, I don't know, someone must have put two and two together and be like, hmm, I wonder if they're there. But they didn't, and that's <laughs> weird. What they like kind of show in some of the extended universe is like, at least Owen's father really loved his wife, Shimmy Skywalker. So maybe Owen and Brew 
felt like he needed to be named Skywalker in honor of Shimmy. And maybe since she was a slave, we don't know about her past beforehand. Maybe that's just a name that like slaves get. Yeah, right. That's a good point. Too. Yeah, that's yep. a good that's a good point too. There's always that argument where like, oh, how did you know, how did Vader not know that was his his son when it was the same like last name? I mean, I get it, but like it's one of those things where I mean, you look from a new hope and, you know, into a, a Empire Strikes Back, you know, uh Leia and Luke kiss in Empire Strikes Back and then obviously their brother and sister in the next movie. Like, yeah, it wasn't really uh, well thought out. Clearly, George was yeah. kind of a movie by movie type of guy. Yeah, which I it's funny that people kind of you know make make fun of the sequel trilogy that way. You know, in in how it it seems all jumbled and everything, but clearly that's how it was in the original trilogy. You know, I mean, he George obviously had like an idea, as we all know. Obviously, he's a great. As it's one thing that you can't cannot say that George is not a great storyteller. I think he's a great storyteller and he can world build probably the best, you know, since in my opinion since Tolkien. Like he's up there with those world building type of uh genius and brilliant ideas. Definitely. So, I mean, to, you know, to change things movie to movie, I don't I don't think it's it was that I don't think it really changes much, but it's just like one of those things where you just have to look at it and be like, well, it's Star Wars. Like it's, <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, things happen that, you know, I mean, Leia is his sister in the third movie, but yet they kissed in the second. It's just. They kissed twice in the second. Very I true. I forgot about that. Right. She also kisses but, um, in New Hope when they cross. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point, yeah. Andrew. For yeah. luck. For luck. Oh, speaking of that scene, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher did that. No stunt doubles, and they did it in one take, Ooh, which I was like, cool. applaud them. I heard that the crew was kind of nervous because they didn't know if the wire was actually going to hold <laughs> oh, no. when they went across. So they were like, fingers crossed, hope they make it. Wow, that's amazing. Did we get all the shots with them oh, we needed? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> First draft of Empire Strikes Back actually has Anakin come back as a ghost, so he was not Vader at that point. And they were planning on making Luke's See? sister another character. Right. And after Return of the Jedi, he would have gone off to look for his sister. So it's all emotion. The future is right. Exactly. Exactly. It's always, it's always like Star Wars. Yeah, obviously that since we're talking about Carrie Fisher, I love how she was so mad that George said there's no like space bras or anything. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite things ever. I love it. (laughs) I love that so much. Oh, Carrie Fisher. Oh, she hated her hair, apparently. Wow. They they made her lose weight. Yeah. She wasn't comfortable, like, saying this hair is stupid. And now it's, like, the most iconic, like, hairstyle in all the movies. Right. Isn't that weird how, like, things like that, like, uh, little things like that become, like, iconic thing, like, iconic symbols with the franchise and and oh. then the actors are like yeah i really didn't like the hair <laughs> everything is so iconic you hear just that breathing of dark vader and you know instantly what it is mm-hmm. it's just so many things were created just from this one movie right and it just it, and it pushed so much within the whole franchise right i mean obviously this is the one that started it all you know mm-hmm. so it does have that that kind of uh feeling to it like every time i watch it I always, I always like, it's just, to me, like, this is the one that it started at all. So it has that nostalgic feel. And I, and that's why I think it's one of my, one of my favorites within the franchise. Like, it's just, you know, it's the one that kind of, you know, started this whole love and obsession that I have. And obviously all of us have, because we wouldn't be podcasters if we didn't really <laughs> be 
<laughs> obsess over this day in and day out. So yeah, I yeah I love this movie so much. You know, and, and especially the I think the Death Star, like all the whole Death Star scene, I love because it's so like the fight between Obi Wan and Vader again. Like back when I was younger, it was like it seemed kind of lame, but now obviously with with the prequels and and Clone Wars and all that, it has such a bigger meaning to it now. You know, I love it. I did call it geriatric the other day, the fight between Obi-Wan and... <laughs> Thank uh, you! I was thinking yes. the whole thing. I was okay. like, oh man, these Two old things. men. So I that's <laughs> what I thought, but then I don't want to spoil Rebels. So there's a moment in Rebels where Obi-Wan does this kind of move in like three moves to defeat a villain. I don't want to spoil it for Brie. So then now when I see that and I look at A New Hope, I think of... Those two trying to get their death blows in every single time, you know? And that's why they're just so, like, slow two-strike moves, three-strike moves. And that makes me feel a little bit better about it, and I can tolerate a little bit more. Because before, I was just like, man, where's the action? You're killing me here. You're just... Exactly how I feel, too. Because, like, I think Dave Filoni explained it. Well, if you have two very talented, very proficient individuals doing this it's not going to be a bunch of jumps and leaps and stuff like that right but really what happened was the the prop lightsabers were really delicate and the prop master was like don't tap them too hard together (laughs) (laughs) so that's really the real reason again and then talk about lightsabers i remember that's one of my favorite uh, moments too in this movie is when luke ignites that lightsaber yeah. I think I remember, time. and it's still, to me, even as I got older, that's still one of my favorite moments because it was just like, man, like, what is that? I want one. I still want one as yep. an adult. And I, <laughs> like, it was just a cool, like, it was a cool weapon. And it was just so, like, on, and, it, and, it's, and it's progressed so much, I think, from, you know, even from A New Hope to Empire to Return of the Jedi, like, the, how how the lightsaber looks and how they, the fighting styles were obviously a little uh, faster, more intense, as George would say. So it they were awesome, and they were, and it was just one of those weapons that again is iconic. Just like the Tie Fighter sounds, I think is an iconic sound uh, within the franchise. You know that 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 lightsaber hum is probably one of those sounds that anybody, even if you're a casual fan or not even like a big Star Wars fan, you know what that is, though. Yeah, the fully the fully work. It's all these bits and pieces just came together and it was like a perfect storm. Right, right. Absolutely. Do you know the how much of a budget George. they had? It was about, I think, $11 million, which I did like the math. It's, it's only about like 20 to $30 million nowadays. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, and of course, it made, this was the first film to make over $300 million at the box office. God, just that's insane. Yeah. Think about that. That's insane. And he, I, yeah, I did crazy. think they had less of a budget, but now knowing they had a little more, I'm like, okay, that's cool. They say like Jaws was the first like summer blockbuster, but really I think this made movies an event to go to. Yeah. And then even just thinking about like special effects back then, like they were, Andrea and I talked about this kind of in, uh, when we were talking about Empire Strikes Back the other day. Uh, but and again, A New Hope, I mean, things that they were doing with the practical and uh, sound effects and all that it was kind of groundbreaking stuff it was genius yeah yes it was brilliant and then to see that kind of transition from 
the A New Hope to Empire to Return of the Jedi, then obviously the prequels with the you know CGI, if you liked it or not. I mean, it's that's debatable. But again, <laughs> breaking, breaking, groundbreaking stuff trying to be used, and then you go into a show like The Mandalorian. It's it's cool to see how Star Wars kind of started with A New Hope and how it it continues to push technology in how we view movies and you know now tv shows it's really cool well one of the biggest differences i mean other than all the cgi and green screens that they use in the prequels Mm -hmm. is that everything in this trilogy just feels lived in the costumes yeah yeah they're torn the floors are scuffed his helmet has definitely been used like there's just it's lived in it feels real it makes you feel like you're there Yes, it's very like relatable and very yeah. I hundred percent agree. Speaking of helmet, I want every time now I watch it, I cannot not see that stormtrooper hit his head when he's yes. coming through the yes. door. I, I can I can't unsee it now. I can't. I love I, that they I just embraced it. it. Put a sound effect in it. It's part of the thing. And then like we right. find out like in Rebels when like the former clone trooper wrecked is like this armor is horrible. You can't see anything out of this helmet. Right. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, lean yeah. into it. They leaned into well, it. I know God exactly, bless. like why God they're bless. bad shots. I think even like Luke. <laughs> I love that whole detention uh, scene too. When with Han again, I think Han Solo had some of the best lines in this movie. I mean, oh yeah, the uh, we're, like, uh, oh, we're, we're we're fine. We're 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 all fine. Um, uh, how are you? That's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite lines. Anytime I watch it, I still laugh at that. And then again, one of my favorite ones is when Han is running after the stormtroopers. And then all of a sudden he sees like the whole battalion. He was like, ah, and he starts just running back and starts shooting. And then Chewie like sees him down the hallway. He runs past Chewie. I love all that. It's such good stuff. It's a great sequence. (laughs) Yeah. I I was like still laughing. Princess Leia calling Chewbacca a walking carpet. Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Classic. Classic and Leia. I love it. The banter between her and Han. I was like, ooh, chemistry. Already. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that was a good. Again, that was cool that they kind of kept that um, thread throughout. You know, a new hope to Empire to Return of the Jedi. You know, they didn't really change that too much as far as Leia and Han, which was cool to see because they did have such great chemistry, and obviously we know. Even off screen, Carrie and, and Harrison had <laughs> chemistry, right? Yeah, real so, life chemistry. So it, it worked, and it and it felt again. It, it felt real. It felt tangible, and you could feel that connection with them because of that, though, for sure. So, Andrea, Lauren, we have a ranking going because we've seen all the prequels: Clone Wars, Solo, and Rogue One. Brie, Uh-oh. obviously, this is number one right now on our list. Ooh, yes. Oh my god. Sorry, I was pausing because I really, because I'm an awful, poor (laughs) Star Wars fan. Uh, I did just recently. (laughs) But you've been to Celebration, Brie. You've been to Celebration. (laughs) I've been to Celebration, but I hadn't seen Rogue One until I watched it for this podcast. I loved it. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. It is. It's really good. But yeah. It's really good. I do agree. New Hope beats it. A New Hope walks so Rogue One could run. Yes. Ooh. Nice. That's yeah, my takeaway. I, like I do. I mean, I think I like I like how Rogue One it it enhances a New Hope. It it doesn't change obviously change anything, but it enhances it because you see how, you know, you know when Leia puts in the the Death Star plans into R two, you know, 
you don't get that kind of in i mean there's small impact but when you watch rogue one and then you watch a new hope you're like man yeah that's important like yeah and just like what he has in him is important all of um you know everyone crouching down my, i had a flashback to the ending of rogue one when like darth like you know opened yes. up his lights right and was like, oh right. i was like got even more excited and i was like oh yeah this is going to continue and we're gonna like freaking take people down i got like super stoked for it <laughs> Right on. Love okay. it. Love it. You know what's like a cool trilogy to watch is Revenge of the Sith, then Rogue One, then A New Hope. It's kind of like this Yeah, cool... we can just all ignore Attack of the Clones. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, she is, like, she is like a murderer against like Attack of the Clones. Listen, uh, Linda. <laughs> the writing is awful. The direction of that film is awful. I can I can point out flaws. Give me the script. I'll make red notes. Like okay, but the funny thing <laughs> is, like our Attack of the Clones episode is like one of our most popular podcast episodes ever. <laughs> nice, nice. I love that. So I, I think everybody that. just loves hating on it. It's one of those you ones where you lovably you lovably hate on it as a Star Wars fan, right? Because yeah. I mean, there there is. There is so much to love about that movie, just like A New Hope. I mean, there is, like, for me, sometimes that beginning of The New Hope, you know, after after they get, after R2 and C-3PO go, in, go on to Tatooine, like, it's, it's all kind of boring stuff. Like, it's like, oh, all right, let's get to the good stuff. But with Attack of the Clones, it's the same thing. Like, there's moments in it that I love. And there's moments where I'm just like, all right, let's just, let's just move on real fast, real fast. <laughs> Listen, oh, that movie Annie. just starts off. That that movie just kind of starts off kind of poor, like directing and performance wise. Like when Corday dies on that platform, and she like, and then the way like Shmi Skywalker dies with the um, with the sand people. It's just mm-hmm. the, the performance and the direction of it is subpar. It's not yeah. that great. So I'm right there with Brie. I do, Baller. I do appreciate it more. Now, after watching Clone Wars, I will say that. Um, Ooh, good point. That's a very good point. But it it is a um, it's rough. I agree. That's all I say. Yeah, yeah I think watching Clone Wars changes everything. I honestly, yeah. it, it does. It changes. Know, it changes my. It, Brie, I'm telling you, <laughs> once you watch it, you'll go back. You might not. You might not still love it, and that's and obviously that's obviously that's fine. But you, I think you'll appreciate Tech of the Clones in like the whole prequel era. So well, Candace much has more. also so made me watch the Clone Wars movie, so that mm. is... I told her not to judge it on that. Right? Yeah. No, you can't. I know. You I can't. was kidding. I was it's kidding. A, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a rough start. It's a rough start for sure. Right? It's a I rough start. Like, oh my gosh, my friends are two of my friends are watching it right now, and they finally got like past season three, and they're oh. like, I'm. I feel bad for Anakin. <laughs> I feel things for Anakin. And I'm like, yeah. I'm so sorry. Here's the thing. I could have felt so for Anakin if the direction was better and the writing. Because I love I'm Revenge sorry. of the Sith. This is about a new hope. And it just like, it feels like we've, it comes up in every conversation. Down One, she went to Celebration. Two, Attack of the Clones sucked. <laughs> yeah, see, it's Attack of the Clones and Celebration. You know, <laughs> those are it. the two things yeah, I yeah. will bring up every time. But no, New love Hope's it. great. I love the practicals, okay. whiny right, Luke. I mean, right? I mean, it really is like a, like we were kind of talking about it earlier. Like the the special effects and what they did 
back then was just amazing. It really was. It was really, it's, and it still stands. Like, like when you watch it, it's still, like, it still stands as, like, really good practical use of, of special effects yeah. and everything. It doesn't get, it doesn't, like, get lamer as you watch it or, like, the, it doesn't just be like, oh, okay, this is You know is what kind gets of, lamer? CGI. Say it. Say it. <laughs> CGI. <laughs> That's very true. But poor George was a CGI fan, was he not? He really was. That was like his bread and butter. I'm he even you. said that he knew CGI was just at its beginning and that it was going to get better. Right. I think he said like 20, 30 years time. Yeah. So, and, and look mm-hmm. where it's at right now. So yeah. well, The Mandalorian, right. I mean, yeah. but the Mandalorian also uses great job of using practicals with the CGI. Yes. Which, yeah, that's what yeah. I love. I'm like, yes, if you can enhance practicals, wonderful but nothing's ever going to be the use of practicals along with it right i mean really george was if you i mean as much as you kind of you know his some his his directing and writing might not be the the greatest let's just be honest (laughs) with it i love george lucas he was you know all all hail george lucas and everything but Mm -hmm. his writing and directing wasn't the best but you know, obviously he took that in con- into consideration because obviously he he stuck with the storytelling kind of f- with after A New Hope and into Empire Strikes Back and into The Return of the Jedi. You know, so he he took what he was strong at and he got other people surrounded, surrounded, uh, surrounded around him to, you know, make the films and the storytelling in the in the dialogue better. Which sure. I can definitely appreciate. Yeah, 100% Brie, right, right. I mean, that's just, that's at least a guy that knows where his strengths are and his weaknesses is, so. But, you know, which, I mean. Which is hard yeah. to admit. Right, true, yeah. He, but it's also, the whole thing about this, A New Hope, bringing it back, guys, I'm trying. Um, <laughs> is that <laughs> No, he was, we're going to talk about Attack of the Clones again. He was good for this, this film was finding the right people for the job. Yes. He had the best of the best. He did 100%. I mean, he he had the best special effects guys. He had the best. I mean, honestly, the actors, the actors that they chose that they casted were good. Were perfect. I mean, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford. I mean, you go down the line. Be there, (laughs) right? Right. Oh, he didn't. Oh my God, he hate he hated Star Wars with his dying breath. Maybe that's what I felt in that scene. I'm just like, there's no oomph in him. You know what? One thing that really because I guess I didn't really, maybe I didn't pay attention to this when I was little, uh, but now I do. Um, when the ending credits came up and it said starring and it said Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, they all came up at the same time. And I thought it was like, whoa, that is amazing that all three of them are getting like the title card of like mm-hmm. starring because now normally it's like, you know, one actor here, one actor there, but it really showed unity with them and i i just thought that was like really cool so andrea lauren how can we find your podcast you can follow us on twitter uh we're at the galactic pod uh on twitter follow our episodes on apple pod google play spotify podbean and then we are part of the red five network uh so if you go to redfivenetwork.com all our episodes are on there as well Awesome. Brie, can you tell them how to find us? You can find us at Geeky Girl Gab on uh, the interwebs on our website, uh, Facebook, Twitter, really any social media. And uh, you can listen to us on 
Apple, iTunes, um, Anchor, pretty much anywhere. (laughs) So thank you, Andrea and Lauren, for joining us for this episode. Thank you. You guys are rad. No, thanks for having me on us. Appreciate you. Yeah, No, we love talking Star Wars. So I'm Candice. I'm Bree. I'm Lauren. I'm Andrea. And stay geeky.